A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode of Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by italki. To have your own rambling conversations, maybe with some error correction from your teacher, or to have some more structured English training, then go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk and check out italki. There are loads of teachers to choose from. And if you spend a bit of time finding the right person for you, then you could find a great teacher and then have regular conversations or lessons through Skype. And it can be very beneficial to your English in various ways. And remember, when you buy some talking time, italki will send you a voucher for a free lesson. To get all the details, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, dear listeners. How are you today? I hope you're well. Here's another episode about British music with James. This one is about jungle, a form of dance music. We did this one in response to a request from a listener who wrote a comment on the website. And while recording the episode, we couldn't actually remember the name of that listener, but I've checked and I've found his name and his message, and it goes like this. Okay, so this is the message I got. In fact, in January of this year, after James and I talked about Oasis, if you remember that. So the message comes from Kirill Hanalainen. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing your name correctly, as usual, uh, but um, Kirill Hanalainen, I think. So Kirill wrote this. He said, Dear Luke, I've already told you how amazing your podcast is in general and how particularly moving those episodes are in which you speak to James about music. They're just brilliant. That's when the magic happens. Thank you, Kirill. Really, thank you. Is there any chance I could suggest a new topic for discussion with James? Electronic music developed in England. I mean, your country brought the world irreplaceable genres of music such as jungle, drum and bass, big beat ambient and stuff like that. And I think these ones are just a few examples. I grew up in the 90s in St. Petersburg, listening to jungle music made by DJ Aphrodite and drum and bass provided by Goldie. We had some good times. Now I'm really into ambient music from the early 1990s. Artists such as The Orb, Aphex Twin and the KLF. Good taste, Kirill. Excellent taste. I'd be over the moon if you could make an episode on this subject. I'm more than sure James and you know a thing or two to tell us about. Thank you in advance. I'd also like to wish you and your beautiful family Happy New Year. Best wishes for peace and prosperity in 2020. Thank you, Kirill. So, we'd been meaning to make an episode about jungle music for a while, actually, even before we got this comment. And James has lots of the old tunes on vinyl. Uh, So here it is. This is our attempt to explain this music, where it comes from, what influenced it, and more. You'll also hear little bits of music during the episode uh, to illustrate what we're talking about, and not just jungle music, but also other types of music that have inspired it, you know, things like funk and dub and stuff. So you'll see that this episode is long, but it's as long as it needed to be for us to cover the subject properly. Remember, you don't have to listen to the entire episode in one go. You can use your podcasting app to listen in sections. 
So, yes, the music won't be for everyone, okay? Jungle music is not to everybody's taste. We don't expect everyone to love this music like us. I know this is quite a specific topic also, but hopefully you can learn things from it. And even if you don't like the music, I hope you can still enjoy listening to the two of us explaining and describing this subject. This episode is accompanied by detailed notes, links and music on the page for this episode on teacherluke.co.uk, including YouTube videos for almost all the tunes that we talk about, a Spotify playlist, and a special jungle mix done by James, especially for you, using vinyl records in his collection. So to find those things, just go to the page for this episode on my website. Okay, so we hope you enjoy it. And here we go. Hello, listeners. I'm sitting in James's flat in London uh, with James. Hello, James. Hi there. And today we're going to talk about music. We're going to, we're going to talk about a British genre of music called jungle. And what follows in this episode is a music documentary of sorts. We'll be dipping into James's vinyl collection as we go through this in order to play you little samples of the music that we're talking about as we continue. So this is a history of a certain musical genre from England in the 90s, jungle. Both James and I were, and like still are, really into jungle, certainly at the time. Um, and it's also a good example of a unique form of British music that doesn't get talked about very much. The period of time that we're talking about is from around the mid to late 80s to the mid to late 90s. So while things like the Berlin Wall were coming down and so many other changes were going on in the world, this is one of the things that was happening in the UK at the time. So James, how do you feel now, right at the beginning of doing this, just before we embark on recording this? We've done quite a lot of preparation for this episode, haven't we? But how do you feel before embarking on this episode today i feel like it might be quite long because we're trying to fit a lot into this that's okay and i don't want to bore people or make it a really long episode if they're bored they'll stop listening it's, it's up to them um it'll take as long as it needs to take i think i don't know i'm comfortable i'm glad we we planned a bit out and wrote a few things down so hopefully we won't be uh arming and ahhing too much about what to say next that's right no, but this won't be for everyone will it no we were actually saying earlier um Jungle's the kind of, or drum and bass, but more jungle, is the kind of music that most people don't really like. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing, if you played it on the office stereo, it would be about 10 seconds before someone said, what's this? Yeah. Who put this on? Uh, hello, can we, can we change this, please? And it would, people really don't like it. People who like it tend to really like it. And they're quite committed fans. And people that hate it just bloody hate it. Yeah. And there's very little in between. This is not the sort of thing that all British people like or that all people listen to. I mean, it is a very much very much a British thing, but it's not something that all British people listen to. It's not at all. And the, the average person probably doesn't like it, and it has very negative associations with a lot of people. We'll talk more about the status of this music and, and all that stuff and the associations with it later on. Um, but yes, it, it, this won't be for everyone, but I have had requests for this, I promise. Who, what was that guy's name who asked for the request? We should have checked beforehand. <laughs> I don't remember oh, his no. name. You can put in his name later. It was a specific listener who did uh, did respond to episodes we've done about music and asked for this. Well, thank you, whatever your name is. Yeah. Luke will dig it out. We did one about Oasis, and, and I think he replied to that. Anyway, 
But in the past, I've had other people talking about like requests for music, like dance music episodes yeah. about Aphex Twin and things like that. So I have had uh, requests for this, I promise. UK Jungle, or Drum and Bass, as it's also known, arguably, uh, like uh, electronic, other electronic dance music from the UK, is pretty big around the world. We usually talk about guitar music on this podcast whenever we talk about British music. But this is uniquely British music from a different genre and a different background. So what is jungle music, James? What I've written down here is that jungle is a... We'll, again, we'll go into all of this in proper detail later, but this is just the introduction. Jungle is a form of dance music that evolved out of the rave scene in the UK. There'll be more about that in a bit. Which is personified by fast, intense, looped breakbeats. And I'll explain that as well. Over the top of deep reggae-style bass lines with atmospheric sound effects some vocals, often sampled, and maybe emceeing, that's like rapping, over the top. So complex drum patterns and sub-bass. It evolved in the UK in the early to mid-1990s. It was a really interesting and original kind of new music that was exciting because it kept changing, and it became really sophisticated and original quite quickly, and it went from being a form of music that was considered like the lowest of the low to being much more critically accepted by the mainstream in just a couple of years, really. So the music is really intense in places and sort of quite calming in other places. We'll play you some as we go through. I think we need to start, James, with an example of a jungle track from your collection. Okay, I'm stepping over to the turntables now. James is now stepping over to the turntables. Right. Okay. Okay, here we go. This is an artist called Nookie. The, the track is called River Niger. Yeah. Uh, there's a nice big scratch in this record we, we discovered today. Listeners, you'll hear the scratch. You'll go pop, pop, pop like that sometimes. But at least you know it's the real thing. Wow. And I bought this in a record shop in Cambridge in 1994. Probably out of the bargain bin because I was skint. Yeah. Um, it's not the most popular drum and bass or jungle tune, rather. Yeah. But it's one that we both like, right? Yeah, definitely. There you go. That's nice, isn't it? This is like the softer stuff. I mean, this is quite... Well, this tune's got a bit of both, so that's why it's a good example. Another good ex- reason why we chose it, because it's got like the sort of the more soft, mellow stuff like this, and then the harder stuff, which comes up in a, in a minute. And it's technically fast, but it doesn't feel fast. Yeah. We can talk about that later, but it's fast and slow at the same time. Yeah. We'll be going into the musical features and stuff in a bit, but this is just to give you a little flavour. Can you hear me, listeners? Can you hear me in your headphones? Yeah, okay. So all nice and spacey, jungle sound effects and stuff as well. And then the hard stuff. The river Niger? Yeah, yeah. Hoi, hoi, hoi! So that's where it starts to get louder and harder and busier. I'm going to turn it down though now, James. I'm turning it down here. Okay, so that was... um, River Niger by Nookie, and you've talked about how you got the record, the, the fact that it's got a scratch, why we chose to, to, to get it. So, so why do you want to talk about uh, jungle music on Luke's English Podcast, James? I say you because, I mean, I, think you, I feel like you're the executive producer of this episode because you're, you're the one who suggested it and we're using your record collection. So why talk about jungle on Luke's English Podcast? Because um, it's... Uh, I find it an interesting subject. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite overlooked. Um, you don't get many documentaries about it, unlike sort of guitar music and indie music. Mm-hmm. Um, 
people don't really know how how to critically respond to it sometimes uh like the, the rock press don't know how to review no one knows it. how to review it um no one understands it people either over politicize it or i don't know i don't i think it's just a bit of an overlooked form of music that i still listen to to this day and just thought it'd be yeah. worth worth a chat about we, we were talking before about how when we talk to our dad about music um, there's always this thing that comes in where we, we, we talk about music from the 60s and 70s and Dan will always come in and basically say, well, your generation, meaning our generation, is kind of rubbish because we haven't come up with anything new. After the 60s, he just feels like no one ever did anything musically interesting. And according to him, our generation just copied previous generations. But I feel like saying, well, yeah, but what about jungle music? Like, that's so different to anything that's ever come before. And for some reason, that doesn't count with him. <laughs> it's just not on his radar. It's not on. It's just on other people. They just. It doesn't. It's just not music to them. Yeah, a lot of people don't really even consider it music. I don't think. Yeah. Okay. First of all, then there's a, we've got a personal connection to it. We both are really into the music, and we've got a, you know a desire to talk about uh, talk about it. And Luke's English podcast has always been personal, right? And also, it's uniquely British, and we always want to talk about British stuff. So here we go. Also, it's not the kind of thing that usually gets talked about, as you've said. Uh, when you talk about British music from the 90s, it's always Britpop, Blur, Oasis. But we weren't really listening to that very much, were we? Sometimes. I wasn't. I don't think um, I ever went out and bought an on indie On the radio. CD. We heard it all on the radio. It was on the radio and on the telly. But when you wanted to buy a, a tape or a CD for your own personal use, yeah. I certainly wouldn't be tracking down the latest Blur album. Now, the, the tapes that I was stuffing into my pockets were tapes of this kind of thing. Yeah. So, again, do all British people listen to jungle music? No. No. Um, it's considered to be underground music, isn't it? I think most people know about it. It's not that underground. But, but I think in 1994, just... when we both kind of started to listen to it... Yeah, it wasn't very well known. But it was considered to be underground music at the time. Yeah, yeah. It was associated with rave and acid house and stuff. And they were basically underground, criminal, whenever rave music or whatever was was um, dealt with in the press it was always it was dealt with as a huge health risk to young people and a threat and um something that's criminal and dangerous it had quite a, i mean it is quite scary you know jungle the music, music is Jung- quite yeah, scary it's yeah. quite intimidating and full on yeah and a lot of people you know found that completely unlistenable yeah yeah um also it's also considered sort of black music as well isn't it to an extent yeah, which is true. I mean, a lot of it evolved out of various forms of black music and put together in the UK. Yeah. So, yeah. So but next... I'd say it was multicultural. Yes, I would say so too. That's a big aspect of it. It yeah. wasn't just black or just whatever, or lots of people from lots of different backgrounds yeah. got into it and made it. But it was it was low-class music, right? Well, we can talk about that when we get to the ravey section. Okay. okay, then. How did you first get into jungle music? Um, how did you first hear it? How did you first get into it? And I've got the question I've got here is, can you tell the story? And so, I think you should tell that story. Cause, uh, do you reckon? You probably remember it better than I do. So it's hard to say exactly when I first kind of got into jungle music or when it changed from being this weird, slightly kind of scary sounding stuff that I wouldn't listen to, to the kind of thing that I would put into my Walkman and walk around listening to. But I'd, I think that we both heard jungle or rave music and we'd always thought it was not for us. It was overheard from cars driven by 
dodgy people. Except those the oh, the one or two good rave tunes like SL2 on a Ragged Tip and Prodigy Out of Space. Yes. But apart from that, it was kind of the music you'd kind of avoid. You wouldn't think it was good. You think it was pretty bad. They were sort of like novelty records yeah. to an extent, weren't they? Like yeah. Out of Space and On a Ragged Tip. So we kind of heard bits of it here and there. We saw the compilation, cheapo-looking compilation CDs available in record shops. It was associated with the slightly scary underground rave scene. But I was also into electronic music at the time. I was into stuff like ambient music. But mostly we listened to guitar music and funk music from the 70s and 60s and stuff, and Stone Roses and some hip-hop and things like that. But then I remember it was like, school holidays or something and um our mates matt and eggy came round, and they told us about the night they'd had the night before where they'd been in the car and they had this tape of was it groove rider it was groove rider at amnesia and coventry late from the late 93 i've got a copy of it somewhere right and they were the the funny thing about this is they were both kind of metal heads basically they were into they were into like death metal and uh heavy black metal. sabbath and hardcore punk yeah. And occasionally maybe a bit of Santana, but they were basically just metal kids. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of going, we've got this tape and it's really good and we don't know why, Yeah, basically. It's really weird. It's kind of like totally... You kind of you start listening to it almost as a joke, like listen to this. And then after a while it's like, hang on, I, actually I want to keep listening to this. It's like a friend of theirs who was into rave music or something had left the cassette behind and they picked it up and they're like, let's listen to this and see what it's like. And then they discovered, to their surprise, that it was wicked and they really liked it. And they then came round to ours and they played it, played the cassette to us on mum and dad's stereo system in the living room. And we agreed, like, they had one particular track that had sort of really grabbed them. And uh, so they played it to us and it sounded amazing. It sounded extraordinary. Before you play it, you have to tell me to turn the volume up on this because i've got the volume down okay well it's ready to go okay so we're going to play the track and we're just going to call it the mystery track because we never knew what it was called ever and i never knew what it was called until late last year when my mate opened his own record shop which is in uh, kingston upon thames yeah shacks stacks of wax little (laughs) uh, plug there and um i was digging through his racks because he's i did some work for him and he said you can take some records free so i was looking for some records and i found that track yeah that we'd heard so many years ago and i never knew what it was called and just to keep an air of mystery we're not going to tell you what it is yeah we're not going to name the track sorry just to continue the feeling of mystery but this is this is that track that it's going to be very loud so this is that track yeah sounds a bit scary it's weird isn't it it's hard to tell what's going on yeah it sounds very like a disparate collection of sounds. But there was a particular bit... Here we go, it's coming up. Let's shut up for a minute. What the hell? Scary, man. It's dark, isn't it? It's pretty dark. I do think it's pretty dark music. It's very weird. And we listen to almost like a novelty. Like, listen to this weird tune that's got a big bouncing sound effect in the middle of it. Boing, 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 boing. But then after a while, we started to like like it. 
And we listened to the rest of the tape, and, and then we wanted to listen to it again. And the tape was recorded in a huge rave, which gives it a slightly weird atmosphere, knowing that there's like five or 6,000 people in there, mm-hmm. in the middle of the night, listening to this really, really weird, abstract-sounding, strange novelty music. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, 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 totally. And also the the sense of like... All these people who are kind of when you see video footage of of a rave or a, or an event like that, and everyone's dancing, they're quite possessed. <laughs> I mean, people are on drugs. Let's not avoid saying that. I mean, they are, aren't I they? I suppose so. That's not the main thing about it, because it's the music, isn't it? It's the music that's interesting. It's not the the drug stuff. It's all but, part of the makeup of it. I but suppose. it is part of the culture, and that's one of the reasons why it was underground and it was considered to be dangerous and scary and stuff like that. It's because there it was part of a sort of a, a dance music scene that was heavily in sort of uh, what's the word for it heavily influenced by drugs but anyway so how did we actually used to get access to this jungle music because um a lot of the stuff was hard to find how did you used to get well, jungle it was, music it was completely anonymous that's something about it yeah like again we heard this track i mean you probably think it sounds ridiculous but we were kind of curious as to what it was but we didn't have a clue there was there was no artwork there was no name there was no shazamming there was no you wouldn't know what you were listening to apart Mm. from a single name written on a tape which would normally be the name of the dj right and you wouldn't know who they were what they looked like what age they were anything you'd have no information but how would you get the tape well initially from friends so you'd you'd say i like this one can i borrow it and you'd never give it back or (laughs) or you'd tape it tape to tape can i tape it yeah Yeah. you tape it tape to tape it. it And uh, so that's initially how I got into it. And then after a while, you start going, well, I'm going to buy some. And then you buy it on tape. But do you remember where and what, what the tapes were? They were rave packs. They yeah. were recordings of last week's rave that they'd then sell. Yeah, that's right. I remember I used to go into, was it called MJ Records? What was the, what was the um, little record shop in Mel Square? I can't remember. Anyway, there was a little independent record shop. And they had a um, some shelves next to the counter, and they had racks of these different rave, hardcore, and jungle tapes. And they'd be very cheaply made sleeves, and it was just the name of the DJ or maybe the name of the night. And so you'd buy these tapes, basically. They were really cheap. And uh, it was a bit like potluck, because sometimes the tapes were terrible. They sounded awful, really quietly recorded. And sometimes you would find a really, really good one, an absolute gem. Uh, with really good quality sound and really good, you know, selection of tunes, mm. and you'd pass it around your friends. So generally, it was on tape, either bought like little sort of what are they call bootleg tapes like that, or copied and shared. Generally. Yeah, it was a kind of a legal grey area because there wasn't a lot of copyright going on in those days. So uh, I think it was accepted that the raves would sell on the tapes later, and no one minded because it was the way of getting your music out there. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It was generally pretty mysterious, though. It was sort of word of mouth. You discover them on tapes. You didn't know what they were called. It's they hard were... to imagine that these days, listening to music and not being able to find out what it was. Yeah. And not knowing anything about it and having to ask people and having to do your own research. Yeah, that's right. It wasn't like in pop music where there was like an image and a face that goes along with the music. There was and... no image at all. Zero image. Press... Even, even the records were white labels. Yeah. Mostly, blank, or a lot of them, blank. Blank white labels, maybe with something written on them uh, with a pen. There's, there was really no information about it beyond maybe just a weird name. 
Um, and um, but all, there was stuff on Radio One, BBC Radio One got in there pretty early. I think it was late '94, early '95 is when the, they had a Radio One show about it. One in the jungle, and there was pirate radio, and also Kiss FM in London. Yeah, which was a pirate radio that went straight, went legitimate. Yeah, and they were they played a lot of jungle. But, um, so you'd get tapes sometimes from London. Yeah, of like DJ Hype had a radio show, and the hype was good. He's scratching, He's scratching, just, yeah, and um, yes, it was mainly tapes, tapes shared with your friends. Some stuff you heard on radio. We didn't really get any private radio where we were living. Not really, but it, you'd get tapes around from of Kiss FM, for yeah. instance. Okay, when and how did you actually used to listen to jungle music? Because this is music that was made ostensibly to be played in big clubs or raves. Well, I used to just listen to it on my Walkman and on my, on my stereo. And it is quite incongruous listening to this music that's designed to be played through a huge sound system in the middle of the night when you're on the bus to college driving down a country lane yeah. with it playing on your Walkman. And but, it's it's quite an interesting juxtaposition. Yes, it is. But... Yeah, you know, you'd listen to it anywhere. A lot of people who had cars in those days, it sounded good in a car. Yeah, and it's the kind of music that cuts through a crappy stereo, so it can sound good even through not very good equipment because it's quite basic and this, this, the the hi hats are very high. I mean, the high tones are very high. The bass tones are very low. Yeah, it's not exactly subtle. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it can make a crap stereo sound good. Probably listening people's cars, and the best is if they've got like a decent sound system with big big powerful speakers and they'd play it really loud or you listen to it on your walkman because we were still school age at this point well 16 17 18 19 students basically um and um yeah or listening to the walk listening to it on your walkman when you're in the when you're on the bus in the countryside um which is yeah like you said a weird thing when you're listening to basically something uh, something that was an event with thousands of people in it dancing and, and stuff, and you're just listening to it on your Walkman in the countryside. <laughs> it's quite strange. Uh, also, though, DJing. I mean, you're a DJ. You've got decks and records, and you sometimes DJ. I didn't back bass. then. Not back then, but these days you do. It was out of my price range to have decks in those days. They were expensive, and the records themselves were expensive. They were at least a fiver each, mm-hmm. which is cheap now, but back in 93, 94, yeah. that's a lot more money. Yes, it is. So, okay, timeline then. What's the origin of this music? Where does this music actually come from? What's the DNA? What are the ingredients? <laughs> the ingredients. I we- suppose uh, initially American Chicago and house and Detroit techno and electro and Craftwork? Kind of, well, initially they were the one of the first people to make electronic music that you could had a groove to it, a really good dance groove to it. Did the Germans invent all of this music? Yep. <laughs> Thanks, guys. No, it's just one of the ingredients. Craftwork, yeah. But they but Craftwork inspired the American guys, and then the American guys inspired other people, and it went onwards. And, I mean, Craftwork, I'm sure, was inspired by other music itself. Yeah. So, um, but we've got certainly the Chicago and Detroit techno scenes. So can we have an example of, a, of uh, Chicago... Okay. Is it techno? C- keep talking. Chicago House. Chicago House. So we're going to hear uh, a track which I believe is called Can You Feel It by Mr. Fingers, also known as Larry Heard. And this is the definitive example of um, Detroit, or sorry, Chicago House, isn't it? 
um, he says to James, who's put his microphone down, because he's getting the record out of the record sleeve. He's going to put it on the decks, so we get an idea. This is the classic tune they always play on the TV or whenever it is to illustrate what Chicago House was like. This is quite different to drum and bass, though, really. Yeah, but, but it's just how... But it's kind of where it came from. So this is 1986. And this is maybe five, five, six, seven years before Jungle really arrived. It's going to go a bit louder in a minute. There you go. Have you heard this before, listeners? But this is kind of like the birth of sort of rave music, isn't it, really? And that's a different, a different kind of thing. That So the rock music experience... I'm turning it down a little bit because I'm talking. You don't worry about the volume, so I'm, I'm doing that. Um... The rock music experience is where you go and see a band, the band is on a stage, and there's the band, and then there's the audience. And the band are um, up, raised up on another level, and they're the ones producing the music. That is where the event is happening. It's happening on stage. And the audience are ostensibly there to observe the band doing their music and enjoy it. But the, the centre of attention is on the stage. But with this kind of music, things are completely different. And what you have is a, a DJ up at the front who is sometimes even hidden. You don't even see them. And it's all about what's going on on the dance floor. And dancing, not with other people. Not You don't have a dance partner, but you're just dancing on your own. And um, so there's something kind of uh, something different about that in the kind of uh, the way that this music is uh, used uh, culturally but anyway this this kind of thing is where so many other different bits of music came from okay can we move on can we have another track we're gonna we're gonna have uh, the next one is um rhythm is rhythm aka the dance by i think by Derek may and this is an example of detroit techno from basically around the same time maybe the next year the following year this is 87, actually, this one. Okay, that's... that's Starting to step it up a bit. It's start, yeah, it's getting a bit more intense, a bit more interesting l- rhythmically. One of the things that we can see here, we can hear there is the four to the floor. Boom, 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 boom. But that stopped with Jungle. You didn't get the four to the floor double. Well, they dropped that. Am I coming through? Yeah, yeah. They you're dropped you're that. Um, that's kind of what made Jungle Jungle. As soon as they dropped that four-four kick drum, it kind of changed somehow. Yeah. Okay. But let's just skip this forward. Let's a move bit. on. Let's move on. So, isn't that nice? It's lovely. But can you? You can stop that now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's that in there. Also, hip hop. Hip hop. Hip hop. We're going to play some Run DMC now. That's, gonna... So that's where the dance element comes. Wait, from. we can't hear you, James, because you're not Sorry, speaking I'm into a microphone. James is putting the record back in its sleeve, but um, hip hop. So we're talking about. I mean, when did hip hop first come about? Probably the late seventies, early eighties, when instead of just playing music in bands, people started playing music on decks, like James is doing now, and also rapping or maybe even singing, dancing over the top, but. Here's an example of what is this Run DMC you're going to play? This is a good example of breakbeats used in um, hip hop, which I'm sure influenced 
uh, rave and drum and bass in the UK. Breakbeats. Go on. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Stone Roses sample, incidentally, but that's not the main focus. So that driving breakbeat, that kind of rolling, rolling beat. It's hard to explain that, isn't it? But yeah, look, a rolling beat. It's, yeah. the, it's the kind of tambourines that do it, that kind of continuous... Yeah. And the, the beats aren't on one, two, three, four. They're boom, ba, boom, ba, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it's not boom, 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 boom. It's boom, boom, like that instead. Okay, that's enough. But certainly that's interesting because you've got, as you said, the breakbeat in there and a couple of samples in there too. Everyone's familiar with hip-hop and the way that hip-hop artists uh, sampled um, other people. But I mean, that's in there too. That's also one of the ingredients. There's also house, there's also Euro techno. But now you can say your thing about British DJs. Um, when they were DJing clubs and stuff, which is kind of how the UK scene developed, they would not be purist. So say in Chicago, they probably play only Chicago house music in a night. And in Detroit, they'd probably only play Detroit and stuff they were into. Mm. But in the UK, they just take a bit of everything. And um, they wouldn't necessarily see the difference or they wouldn't really see a huge chasm of difference between fast breakbeaty hip-hop music house music techno european techno american techno they just play it all yeah anything that sounded good so it'd be a lot more diverse a mishmash anything that just was good to dance to Mm. so Mm. you get all these influences from all over coming together and at some point they'd realize that playing breakbeats as well as the kind of housey stuff made people dance more Mm. you know enjoyed dancing more or that it get a good crowd response yes so that's when in the uk british producers started making their own form of acid house or techno or whatever you want to call it i want to start just by listening to some of that british kind of hip-hop slash house stuff that was coming around at the time british hip-hop let's say and again we're still in that period late 80s late 80s early 90s so i'm going to play uh, a, a record that you used to have on vinyl. I've know. still got it, but I can't find it. You can't find it, but I remember you used to have it when, I mean, in 1990, 1991, when I was about 13 and you were 15, yeah. you had this record. A lot. Of, this was a really popular tune. This actually. is massive. It's a wicked tune. So this is 20 Seconds to Comply by Silver Bullet, a British rapper, basically. But it's kind of quite fast stuff yeah. with samples in it. And this is, again, this sort much, of... Much faster than the American rap music. Yeah. It's got that harder-edged, harder, faster, dancier kind of edge to it. Uh, but this is British hip-hop at its finest. Uh, <laughs> let me just make sure this is not too loud. There's actually a little intro which I'll skip through. <laughs> Wicked, isn't it? Wait for the rap to come in. It's a James Brown sample as well. Hear his English accent in there. Yeah. London accent. It's fast. It's hectic. It's really fast. 
Okay, we get the idea. All right. Can I? Can we play the B side to that as well? What was it called? Bring forth the guillotine. Bring forth the guillotine, which is actually the the, the one that you preferred. Well, no, I just used to play it more often because it's instrumental. I think it's it's got like a kind of more. It's got more of a ravey kind of uh, almost jungly feel to it. This one. See, it's got that. Yeah. That that kind of phased breakbeat. Yeah, and it's got those um, tambourines again. But a lot of James Brown samples. <laughs> so, with, we mentioned breakbeats. I think this is when I do my little breakbeat lecture. Sub, sub-chapter on breakbeats. My sub-chapter on breakbeats. In fact, you, you wanted a jingle, didn't you? You wanted like a little bring kind of jingle. Bring the noise! Take us in. How about this? Okay, so this is the section on breakbeats. So, breakbeats, what are they? So, uh, breakbeats, ladies and gentlemen are when so imagine in a funk record from the early 70s or mid 70s or something there's usually a moment where there's a break in the music that's where everyone stops uh, except the drummer and the drummer plays on his own for a bit maybe he does a solo but probably just keeps the music going james brown used to do this a lot in his tracks and lots of other people too uh, so that's a breakbeat okay it's when the music breaks and they just have the drummer and the james brown goes give the drummer some give the drummer some and the drummer goes and it's a break in the music just for the drummer yeah it's a break beat right and what the hip-hop uh people used to do over there in america what they used to do is they would just take that section of the record and play it again and again and again, either on decks, so they'd get someone to mix it with two copies of the same record, like two sealed copies of Expansions, as we talked about before. <laughs> so they have two copies of the same record and they'd create a loop, or they would take a cassette recorder and they would uh, use the pause button and just record loops like that on a cassette player. Or use a sampler when they came out. Yeah, but they basically would take this, that, that drum break and sample it and loop it. And it becomes the rhythm track. So a new track yeah. and you put stuff over the top of it and hey presto you've stolen a track but it's also break beats also are obviously beats taken from the break in the music but they're also a certain type of beat certain type of rhythm they it's have not ghost snares and ghost things. notes yeah ghost notes so it's not just like any beat from any record it's got to be probably from a funk record or something that sounds like that and so musically these are dance beats played with some kind of syncopation so the drummer uses what's known as ghost notes to add extra little beats to help it skip along in a way that you can dance to. So I'll give you an example. So instead of it just going doon da doon da doon da doon da, right? That's without the ghost notes. The go the ghost notes are essentially like when the drumstick rebounds slightly off the skin. So you get doon da doon da doon doon da that that bit. It's a little percussive element that fits in the gaps in fact that is jungle isn't it yeah that's basically the essence of it and it almost sounds like an echo it's like a built-in echo that you're putting in without an echo it's just the drummer putting in little subtle little beats that fit around the main beat i mean luke is a drummer a very good funk drummer so he knows what he's talking about luke can do a good break beat i'm gonna play you the drum break from James Brown's The Funky Drummer. Do you want to hear that? Yeah, go on. <laughs> just to hear some ghost notes and just because yeah. it's good. All right, Ghost me, snares, whatever they're called. Make sure, I'll just have to find the right moment in the track and I can edit this. So I think it turns up about there. Oh, 
Here we go. Tons of ghost notes in there. <laughs> Ain't it funky? <laughs> Ain't it funky? Ain't it funky? Ain't it funky? A one, two, three, four. So there's a little break in the music where the yeah. drummer gets to show off. Give the drummer some. And oh, also, God, we, love, the, we love James Brown, don't yeah. we? Yeah, and when the drummer is playing that kind of syncopated funk groove with some ghost notes in it, that's the prime stuff for, first of all, the hip-hop guys, but then also the jungle guys in the UK were doing the same thing. That particular track, The Funky Drummer, is one of the most sample pieces of music of all time. But it wasn't favoured by the jungle DJs and stuff. It's not oh, I don't know. It's definitely really? been used. Okay. Yeah. Um, but one thing we wanted to point out is that the people that were, the producers that were sampling these breaks for jungle, yeah, they weren't digging through the crates looking for old funk records like the hip-hop right, guys were, right. they're probably more likely to take them from actually a second source, an actual hip-hop record. They would sample a hip-hop They'd record. They'd sample the hip-hop record or a Breaks and Beats compilation where people would take these breakbeats and collect them and put them out as a bootleg record mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you could have access to them. Okay. And that way, they're a bit more compressed. They've already been through a sampler at least once and been through a mastering process of a recording studio, mm-hmm. which means that that break like the james brown break just as an example has been processed more and is more more compressed and maybe have a bit of extra bass added underneath it by the original by i'd say run dmc's producer Mm -hmm. he would have beefed up that beat to make it as loud as possible in the mix so when it's then sampled from that source it's not just the original funk break it's that plus a bit of extra oomph so what's happening is you're getting samples of samples and it's kind of morphing and turning into something completely different it's really weird it's also like very very postmodern it's music kind of eating itself in a, in its in a way yeah. they were uh, like, yeah like they weren't sampling the original source they were sampling a secondary yeah source <laughs> it's amazing isn't it um so yeah the drummer uses ghost notes in a in a break beat to add little extra beats i suppose the origins of that's kind of skipping break beat in funk music that goes back to things like jazz latin influences r&b and the general shift towards syncopated dance beats that have a pattern which starts and concludes on the first beat of the bar. Doom, da 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 da. Doom, da 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 da. Doom, da. It's all James Brown, really, isn't it? He invented everything. Yeah, or maybe he sort of just was on the right side of history. Can I play some some other just three more drum breaks? Go for it. So, and these are all ones that have been heavily, heavily sampled by the Jungle producers. All right, the first one is Apache by Michael Viner's Incredible Bongo Band. Which is a cover version of a Shadows tune. Yeah. But it's not really a cover version. They've just used the melody and done it in their own mad bongo-tastic style. Incredible Bongo Band, well, you can imagine they're sort of a groovy band with a lot of bongos going on. They're brilliant. Get that album. If you don't have it already, get it. Yeah, amazing. Bongo Rock, is it called? I can't remember. It's got a pair of bongos on the front. It's hard to miss. I'll, I'll tell you which one it is. Bongo Rock, yeah. So this is the Michael Viner's incredible bongo band, Bongo Rock, from the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, there's this a break. Pre hip hop, right? No, I mean, but I'm going to play the track from the oh, very okay, beginning. Oh, okay, okay. There's a little break at the beginning, and then there's music, and then there's a much longer, more extended break later. But I'm only going to play the one at the start because I think that's the one that gets sampled the most. Here we go. 
robot. That's literally it. But the, the that first bit, I think, is the thing that's been sampled. Don't no, you it think? Breaks down again. It, there, I know. There's another breakbeat later. Let's find it. By the way, did you notice with the James Brown one? I, f- I located the drum well, break. Doesn't surprise me. Just by instinct, by intuition, I just found it immediately. Yeah, here we go. Did it again. So there's just there's about two minutes of this. You could sample almost any part so of that's this. Two drummers, a conventional drummer on a normal drum kit, and a bongo player. You got you got a drummer on a drum kit, or is there congas as well in there? You got a drummer on a drum kit, and I think just one bongo player. But you get that nice sensation where the drums are doubled up. Yeah. Because it's not just one beat, it's syncopated beats playing off each other. It's wicked. It's just such a danceable groove. And you can imagine like all of the break uh, the uh, breakdancing guys. Yeah, this was their anthem. This really. was like one of their big tunes. Because of this long instrumental break that comes in the second half of the song. Okay. Yeah, okay. So that's the incredible bongo band. And we hear that little bongo loop so many times in some of my favorite drummer bass and jungle tracks you hear that what else uh, there's also lynn collins think about it produced by james brown and this has got numerous little samples in it yeah here we go so there's heavy 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 uh, tambourine going along and very chunky drums yeah. and when it breaks down in a minute and there are n- a number of little moments in this track where you can snatch the drums and use them for your own purposes let's let's just hear this break though here we go Here we go. <laughs> Not yet. Here we go. this one now yeah. that one yeah 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 absolutely okay so that was uh, Lynn Collins 20,000 Jungle Records can't be wrong <laughs> and then finally there is the absolute classic the hipster's favourite which is not su- not such a well known track I think it's quite an obscure the original vinyl is very obscure yeah um, so this is Amen Brother by the Winstons see if you can see as, if you can spot this one sampled by NWA Really? And everyone Straight else. out of Compton. Okay. So there's the track, but we need to... There's one specific moment in this track, which is... You will recognise it, I'm sure, when it happens. So let me just try and find that moment. Is this it? Yeah, I think so. No. No. Not my favourite track on no. its own, but it's still famous on, for the on, break. On its own, it's not really a very good track. Yeah. The, the, and the, it's very muddily recorded. Badly recorded. Which actually helps, because when you compress that, it makes the drum sound really loud and hot. Yeah. And very punchy. When you when you speed up a track, also you raise the tone of it. Yeah. So we'll talk pitch, about that. We'll talk about that in a minute. The pitch goes from a muddy low end to a very tight mid-end, mid, mid-range. Yeah, so you go from... To... to 
And it makes the the kick drums, which are very muddy on the original recording and hard to hear, it makes them punchier. Chunky and stuff. Okay, so I think the break is coming up now. I think this is it. Okay. That's it. (laughs) So many times that's been sampled. That's been sampled. Must be in the millions. Almost like an entire genre of music just from that. (laughs) So hip-hop DJs sample these drum breaks, often looping them in crude ways with tape machines or mixing them on desks. No, decks. Decks. (laughs) Jungle DJs also created their own break beats by chopping them up and often creating amazingly complicated beats that sometimes sound like a jazz drummer chopping it up. This was a great change that happened in hip-hop. Like, like hip-hop was a big change, I mean, where anything and everything became fair game. As long as it had the kind of break that you could rap and dance to, it was okay, with weird stuff being sampled that you wouldn't expect. But new music was being made directly using old music, a weird postmodern form of inward cultural appropriation. So let's now go to the UK, and we're talking about the late 1980s. We're going to talk about acid, acid house music, rave music and hardcore which were the immediate predecessors that's the right word isn't it of jungle music so when you get break beats like the ones we just looked at plus like techno so synthesizers and the sort of synth synthesizers and stuff that you get with techno and maybe things like piano from things like euro house like italian house uh, you end up with something like acid or rave or hardcore it was as it was later called and i'm now going to dip into a youtube video what is this that i'm going to dip into here okay so this is classic old school hardcore mix 1992 and it's just a random selection so i'm going to dip straight into the middle of this mix and we'll see what we get (laughs) (laughs) sounds like it was made by children by children sounds like it was made by a child or someone that doesn't know how to play music well it was probably yeah exactly probably these, these made by the... a 16 year old like a guy who should have been in school yeah made on an Atari ST or an Amiga mm. there's actually the I think we've got the Amen brother break in there if you can hear it listeners there's maybe about three different drum samples in there in the middle I think we've got the one that we just heard before this Somewhere in there. <laughs> what else? Like, let me go somewhere else in this mix. <laughs> Rave music. Yeah, leave that bit on. <laughs> you can see why it wasn't exactly respected as an art form in these days. It's flipping terrible, isn't it, this it's stuff? It's Toy Town stuff. <laughs> oh. It's so dirt- this sound is for the underground. It's such dirty music. So, so this is not jungle music, right? This is what we. What would you call that? Hardcore, rave or hardcore, rave or yeah. hardcore. So, very cheap sounding, na- naive. I've written. Is that the right word? I, I think I wrote that word down because it's made without really much musical knowledge. Sometimes in those tunes, the bassline wouldn't really match the other elements. It would be out of tune, or they just randomly stop the tune and put in a new bit. Yeah, like it wasn't a proper song structure. No sophistication. It would just be no sophistication. No real rules. Yeah, they would almost. Some tunes would sound like two tunes stuck together. One tune would kind of 
just turn into another bit which didn't seem to have any relation to the first bit yeah and they were very cheap and they'd even sample children's tv themes and the vocals were sped up people used to talk about chipmunk vocals because they'd sped the vocal up so much yeah, it sounded, let, let's you know <laughs> i think we just heard a little bit of that didn't we you can hear that woman there's always some sample of a soul yeah. singer but stolen and sped up way too fast yeah so cheap sort of nasty basic simple unsophisticated using samples early computers as you said like the ataris and amigas some hardware like baseline generators or drum machines maybe and this kind of stuff which we call acid rave or hardcore was considered the nastiest lowest crappiest low-class music listened to by criminals and low-level scumbags in cars <laughs> it's true though it's isn't true. It? If, if someone said i'm into rave music you kind of think oh dear yeah so the breakbeat samples all get mixed up this is what you were saying earlier so you have several generations of people sampling and then being sampled the sound as a result becomes more and more compressed the texture changes from speeding it up and adding other drum samples on the top this was heard in a lot of hip-hop and dance music at the time the same samples being used by everyone and often several samples at the same time so in the uk we also had a sort of hip-hop dance craze that involved sampling breakbeats there was also this very nasty music, as we've just mentioned, called Acid House or Rave or Hardcore, which was... just should just say Acid House is a bit more housey. Acid House squidgy. is a bit... Squidgy. It's the 303. Ha- Acid House is a bit happier and squidgier and a bit more nice, but whereas, whereas as it gets into Rave and Hardcore, it all becomes a bit grotty and nasty, yeah. really. And it wasn't exactly classy, the stuff we were making in this country. It was very trashy yeah. and extremely horrible trashy stuff and also another factor was there was very limited sample time on the computers and on the machines they were using Mm -hmm. so you couldn't take big long bits of music you'd have to take tiny little bits and reuse them so that's where you get things pitched up it's one sound yeah it's been pitched up and down yeah and i quite like that sound now but at the time it would just seem so obvious that it was just done on a crappy keyboard and that it was just one sample being pushed up and down. It's almost no merit to it, no no kind of um, status or merit to this kind of And it of didn't music. really seem to have a, a proper melody. It would just be like noise, noise yeah. weird, horrible noises. <laughs> yeah. So, Acid House, Rave or Hardcore, very electronic, fast, some nasty synth sounds, bleepy, squidgy noises and stuff. It had an awful reputation. We'll go into that in a moment. There's also the thing we haven't mentioned yet, which is the reggae influence. Okay, so we've got examples here. So because in the UK, there were a lot of Caribbean communities, particularly around London and the West Midlands. So people coming from places like Jamaica with them, they brought their culture and sort of Jamaican or Caribbean communities in the UK have influenced British music and British culture in various ways over the years. Like one of the key things is like they, they probably first came over in the 50s, Jamaican families and stuff. And then in places like West London, there would have been Jamaican communities in places like um, Ladbroke Grove and, and stuff, Shepherd's Bush. And, and like, first of all, they influenced uh, people's clothing, their dress sense. So you got like sort of, um, who were they, skinheads and mods and stuff copying Jamaican clothing styles. And then the music as well had a big influence where the locals got into Jamaican music. And then several generations later, the influence is still there. And there's a culture of sound systems, which yeah. is like having a big stack of speakers that you owned and you take pride in, yeah. that you take round to events, 
and kind of show off who's got the biggest sound system, who's got the best sound system, who's got the best tunes. Mm. And that kind of culture predates hip-hop, for instance. Totally. And um, you can see how that would cross over into dance music when people are like, there's a sound system there. People are socialising together. Mm -hmm. There's demand for music. Yeah. And it just started cross-fertilisation of the music. Totally, cross-fertilisation. Or another way of looking at it is where you get, let's call it sound system culture, which was booming, (laughs) to make a joke. It was booming in in Jamaica in the 70s, or even before, in the 60s, let's say. Huge stacks of speakers that are capable of making really heavy, deep bass sounds. But that culture, the sound system culture, let's call it, where you get certain, certain features, that gets translated into UK culture as it's brought by like Jamaican people yeah. to the UK. And alongside the American hip hop and acid house. Yeah. So all of this goes into the mix. And so that, that reggae Caribbean influence, and it's like very multicultural. It's not just, and you could argue that that influence kind of saved rave from that toy town. Yeah. Cheesy, stupid chipmunk vocals and pianos and stuff which I, I honestly i do have a soft spot for but it was never really going to go anywhere but if i just again just but as soon as you inject a bit of reggae into that it, it makes it a lot cooler yeah and you're not focusing on cheesy doing doing stupid noises you're like focusing on some more of a groove so as you said when you add let's say reggae or dub to that sort of hardcore horrible synth sound stuff then you you start getting into something a bit more interesting and musically as well, there are crossovers. So what you get from reggae or dub reggae is like a lot of empty space, what feels like empty space in the middle of the sound. So it feels like you're listening in sort of potentially like a huge cathedral or something like that. Yeah, and there's lots of spacey sound effects that encourage that sense of space. Because the reason is the way the music was made, they'd record a reggae track, then remix it by taking stuff away, mostly. Yeah. So you take away the vocal line, you take away the main melody... And you just leave the drum and the bass and then bring bits of it in and then bring them out again. Okay. Which is, it's like taking music and then stripping it right down, taking a lot away. Mm-hmm. So an open, empty kind of sound. Uh, the treble is really tweaked. The bass is really super sub bass. And then atmospheric sound effects, lots of reverb, lots of echo. So I'll give you, and also just the rhythm as well often feels like the same kind of rhythm that you you get in jungle and the kind of melodic rhythmic uh, bass lines as well so i'm going to play uh, a track called good time dub which was just on a cd called augustus pablo presents king tubby it was a cd that i used to listen to and i remember one of the tracks stuck out to me it was like oh my god it sounds a bit like the lighter by sound of the future so i'm going to play it to you So I mean you can that doomed do 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 very much like a a jungle baseline yeah and then that yeah in the top as well I'll play you another track the next one on my list which is called White Rum by Sly and the Revolutionaries 
a slight, Ask me quiz. slightly later period um, bit of music, but this has got that open sound, the deep... Still from the late 70s, though, isn't it? Um, yeah. And that's literally bass, a little shaky thing, and a clavichord. And the drums. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. But the bass is so deep and so loud. Yeah. And the percussion is very... Yeah, a lot of reverb. And that bass is so loud in the mix. It's really loud in the mix. Probably in the red. Not for you, but I mean in the recording studio, it's probably in the red. Yeah. Amazing how they engineered that stuff. And then there's just one more thing which I wanted to play, which is uh, another mix. And I thought I'd just drop randomly into the mix. This is a mix by Scientist from the from 1980, which is like a really good period. I like it when dub had gone quite sort of electronic. All right. I think we get the idea. So that's kind of the reggae influence and also not just the music, but also in the way that reggae music was played in these sound systems with MCs and ragga as well, which is a sort of like a kind of rapping, I suppose. Um, and this was actually hip hop before hip hop, big sound system, sub bass, yada, yada, yada. Then you get like second generation black or Caribbean kids in the UK who've kind of grown up in families that would have been listening to that kind of music. And they had their dad's record collections. Right. Right, they so had, they had access to some of these tunes that they could then sample or it's just part of the, the makeup of the music. It all went into the mix. So you've got like the, the techno, the, the hardcore, the acid, the rave, and then the reggae going in there too. Jungle c- came out of a scene called hardcore, which came from rave, which came from acid house, right? So where were raves? Let's talk about raves, rave music and rave culture. Just play that news report. And it'll be funny. Okay. Um, I think that's this news report. Uh, All right. So this is a little report from a documentary that was, I think, on the BBC called World in Action. And this is just typical of the way that rave music as a a cultural phenomenon was covered in the the press. What year was this? This is, let me see. Hold on. Maybe 1990? 1988. Wow. Shit, and basically, early. the economic conditions in the UK at the time were a lot of factories had closed down in the 80s, yeah. thanks to Maggie Thatcher. Cheers. Um, so that meant there was empty warehouses around and probably a lot of people unemployed. This is in the sort of mid-80s. Yeah. And out of that, you ended up people starting to have parties in these empty warehouses. It was illegal. completely That's illegal. The main thing, the events were illegal, so the raves were illegal they were completely unlicensed and in the early days no one was really aware of it so they had some huge events before it all kind of got cracked down on before the police realized but massive events i never went to them i was still in school unfortunately they would go they would (laughs) they would take place in warehouses they'd take place in fields in the countryside yeah but let's put on this news report okay here we go this is world in action from 1988 saturday night in south london Hundreds of young people are gathering for the latest craze, an acid house party in a disused warehouse. Coaches will take them to a destination which has deliberately been kept secret to evade the police. Where, where, where do you think you're going to? It's Street 12. 
Oh, it's like, mystery. That's yeah. the mystery about it. No, this is Acid Man. Acid House Music has been described as a sinister and evil cult which encourages young people to take drugs. One person has died after taking ecstasy, a drug associated with the music. But few people know where the Acid House craze came from and how serious a threat it is to young people. To find out, World in Action has spent a weekend with all sides of this controversial music scene. It's a weekend which ends in confrontation as the police step up their campaign against acid house parties. Okay, that gives you an idea, doesn't it? <laughs> Basically, it was always seen like this kind of music was always seen as a lawless threat and a disturbance to, to public peace. And maybe they had a point. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Because it was lawless. It was a bit dangerous because there were no, you know, health and safety checks going yeah. on. And also, you know, there were a lot of underground drugs being passed around. And so that was a bit dangerous. Like people taking yeah. ecstasy was a big moral panic in the UK at the time as we were growing up. And it was in the newspapers about how this new drug, which suddenly was everywhere and everyone was taking it. But we didn't know what the effects Although were. Although as usual, magazine newspapers like The Sun actually did more to spread the word of mm-hmm. acid house and raves and ecstasy than if they'd have just ignored it. Well, the sun... So they they love a bit of uh, shock horror. It's a bit like the Sex Pistols thing we talked about a few years ago. Yeah. That without the newspaper panic, no one would have heard of them. Yeah, exactly. And they would have disappeared without trace. Yeah. Um, And as soon as it's all on the front page, shock horror... I mean, there was a famous front cover of The Sun, and it said, Spaced Out. And it was like a guide to what Acid House was, and Mm. it influenced... You know, that's the biggest selling newspaper in the country and thousands of people read that. I'm like, that sounds quite good. So these newspapers who are going around sort of talking about how this is a dangerous threat, it's like brilliant marketing for, <laughs> for rave music, basically, for young people around the, world, uh, around the country. Later on, though, raves, calling them raves still, became legal and they took place in clubs and this was all part of how the music sort of became more accepted. And also some ultimately. Uh, warehouse, uh, not warehouse, I think there was an aeroplane hangar that used to hold big raves. An aeroplane Lid hangar. Airport, yeah. I think. And they used to use aer- aeroplane hangars as a venue for legal raves. Mm-hmm. Okay. James has got some beer here, which uh, we're going to start drinking. Um, We've reached beer way, way beyond the halfway point, hopefully. I think so, yes. Don't worry. Um, and then by 1994, you get tracks like Inner City Life by Goldie. And it's at this point that suddenly... The music, you, you feel like you can start taking this music a bit more seriously, right? And it starts to just take on a, a lot more depth and the many more dimensions to it. The point I wanted to make what? was um, it goes from ridiculous music that sounds like a novelty track that you wouldn't ever be able to take seriously yeah. to within the space of a year, it was suddenly sounded incredibly sophisticated and Deep, uh, deeper, d- deeper, more interesting uh kind of less going on it wasn't frantic like rave it was more it had a thoughtful. bit more space it had a bit more atmosphere it suddenly just became really interesting like spatial mood music almost and sort of intelligent and thoughtful and interesting it's and kind of like ambient music on one hand but on the other hand it was even more intense so it was like super intense but super relaxing mm. Very strange contrast. And also, it's something... I mean, this track in particular, it's like something about the condition of... What did, what did, how did you well, you could it? say yeah. it's urban tension kind uh, of music. Yeah. But yeah. this is Goldie, who um, is not that typical. He's one of the few kind of... Um, I don't want to say pop artists, but commercially 
viable. It's the more commercial know. end of drummer bass but or jungle, it, jungle that you feel really. All they did was add some vocals. Apart from that, they didn't really water it down. But they hadn't really made drum and bass songs before this. It's not really a song, though, is it? It's it's more just that this one's got uh, this. Basically, this track we're about to listen to has got more going on in it than just yeah, you know. It's that's like, all we're trying to say. Yeah. So let let me just play this track. All right, we'll play it from the beginning. Here we go. sort of almost sends a chill down my spine that that stuff it's very atmospheric isn't it it's brilliant it's awesome and i mean as well as the sort of vocally bits and the uh really interesting strings the drum programming's pretty next level as well isn't it they've really taken those drums apart and put them back together in a completely different way and ladies and gents did you notice which uh, drum sample it was that's the sample the drum sample. Let's, Let's hear, just it hear it again. I'm trying to find it on my computer. Much now. faster. You hear that? And they've really chopped them up to make them in a very abstract and kind of mutated form. You can hear it, can't you, listeners? Say yes. Yes! All right. So this is, this is when Jungle started appearing sl- slightly in the mainstream. And it fully established itself as a genre of music in its own right. Kind of just before then. Yeah. The crossover from between hardcore to jungle is quite an interesting period because it's very hard to decide what was the first jungle tune. No one really knows. and There's no like consensus. It was just everyone trying to outdo each other and learning from other people's records. Mm. So there was a bit of one-upmanship going on. People would hear a tune one week. And go, fuck, I've got to do better than that next week. And they might hear a tune and go, it's inspired me to do this with my tune. Or like, have you heard what he did with that bass line? Let's try and do something. Mm. And it evolved massively quickly from about the end of 93 to, or say mid-93 to early 94 was a massively fast development stage mm-hmm. where it went from boom, 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 to this the drums actually got faster, but they got rid of that kick drum, that 4-4 four, four underneath it all. So it's not... Mm, mm, yeah, they got rid of that, sped it up, but in doing so, it makes you focus more on the slow beat. So it's going... But you're not dancing one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. You're dancing one, two, 
And it makes you actually, even though it technically went up in BPM, made it faster, it means you're not dancing to the fast beat, you're actually dancing to the slow beat, the reggae beat. So it's going, and you're dancing, and it's the kind of thing you either get or you don't, and you don't get it the first time you listen to it. In fact, the first time you listen to very complicated jungle, it can be hard to work out what's going on. I'm sure for some people that aren't really tuned into that kind of music or they don't like it, they don't hear it as a rhythmical thing. Mm-hmm. They probably just hear it as this, this cacophony yeah. <clears throat> of drums that probably just sounds completely undecipherable. I mean, some of the really complex tunes are a bit like an audio puzzle that you've got to kind of work out because mm. they're so complex. If you're not careful, you can lose where the, the, the one is. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because they, they start going all over the place. They're, I mean, if you want to get pretentious, which you don't, they start to sound like a jazz drummer kind of, mm. you know, doing the complicated uh, patterns that they do when it's at its best sort of thing. And this was still being made by people with no real musical training. Well, apart from some, some actually did, but um, the vast majority didn't. They were self-taught, using very basic equipment. They were stretching all the technology they had as far as they could, and even making most of mistakes. Mm-hmm. So there's this thing called time stretch. Yeah. Where you want to change a sample to make it slower, but without changing the pitch of it. It basically chops it up into pieces and stretches it out. Mm. But when you push that to its extremes, it's like this. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> and it's yeah. kind of a mistake. But when people heard that, they started applying it to snare sounds. So your snares would suddenly go... And distorting in really yeah. weird ways. And you could add it to a vocal. So it makes a vocal, instead of going, what the time you have there, Dread. He goes, what the time? And this really menacing yeah. computer voice and yeah. they they'd use all these weird things and a lot of sounds a lot of um uh, sounds that come from dub reggae as well like yeah. samples of vocals and other sound effects from dub reggae can i just before we play some more samples of proper jungle that that we like can i just go through the uh, part of of this uh, of my notes here which is called da flavor <laughs> Uh, the flavour, meaning Which the... Which we named that slightly tongue-in-cheekly yes. as a chapter heading. Of course. So uh, we've been talking about what Jungle sounds like. Can I just fly through these notes and then Go actually play some bits? So Jungle then, so a summary, uh, sped up faster than the other fast forms of music that we had before. So we're talking about 150, 160, 170 BPM. No four-to-the-floor bass drum. So it's probably just... Mm, like that. Sample drums from funk records or from hip-hop records looped and sped up, sometimes re-sequenced and re-chopped up. Multiple breakbeats from different samples layered over the top of each other. Gives a kind of jungle feel because everything is very compressed and then sped up, which raises the tone of the drum track. So the drum track goes from up there. So that, that raises and emphasizes the higher frequencies and leaves the mid-range quite open and empty. And then there are deep sub-bass lines, a bit like reggae bass lines. And this feeling of space and echo with a deep soft layer at the bottom and a canopy of sound at the top creates this feeling of being in a tropical jungle. Quite a deep and heated atmosphere like in a rainforest. 
Sometimes there are the sounds of tropical birds or a drop of water. Then spacey noises like synth pads, possibly piano lines, some soulful, soulful vocals, but plenty of space and sparseness, a bit like in dub reggae. It's fast, but it's slow, like you said. You've got the fast upper rhythm in double time to a reggae bass line, sometimes played at half speed. Things come in more slowly with slower patterns. There's You mentioned that thing about losing the beat. If you don't know the music, you don't know where the beat begins and ends. It can sound like a drum kit falling down the stairs. It might sound like total chaos. What would our mum think if she listened to it, James? She just wouldn't like it. And um, maybe I could persuade her to listen to some of the more mellow stuff. And she'd probably go, oh, I can see what you mean. She'd be polite about it, but uh, it, it wouldn't appeal. As soon as the drums come come in, she... Especially some of the more aggressive drums. I mean, it can be, you know, very aggressive music. And there's a lot of contrast in it. It can go from very mellow, nice spacey bits to suddenly silence yeah. and then suddenly a huge attack of drums mm-hmm. so it's, it's you know it's, it's it's a bit like um a kind of effect rather than a, it's a it's a sensation as much as it is a music well, so, so the, the bass tones were designed to be played very loud and to give you a physical sensation yeah so if you're standing next to a big speaker you can feel it going through your stomach yeah you know, and it's, actually you can feel it physically. It's designed to be a physical music. Yes, it is. It's more like a mood music in a sense that you listen to it, it kind of puts you in it's a certain feeling uh, based on like the textures of the sound and everything rather than listening to it as a song with a message or something it's like that. It's less melodically focused and more rhythmically yeah. and sensation. Is that the right word? It's sensorial. It's all about the... It's it's music that you feel in your body rather than that you sort of feel in your head or something. But then again, you can kind of analyse and take apart the breaks as you're listening to them, and you can focus very intently on it. Do you want to go through and play some samples of some of the tracks that you listed? Uh, okay, let me just think of... Well, here's this, this one that I particularly like that we can start out with, which is an example of the kind of stuff that i was more appeal uh, more drawn to this is like 94 era i think this is 94 95. i don't have a date i think this is 94 oh nice who's this this is love and happiness by pfm but it's the sort of sort of thing that would be played by ltj bookham yeah he was our favorite dj ltj bookham This is very nice. Obviously, I know the track. But it's nice when some... skip it on a little bit. Well, I'll leave it just to roll out for a minute. Because you start to get these pads, strings and stuff coming in. Pretty nice, isn't it? Yeah. You're going to have to stop... All right, we'll stop that one. Okay, can I can I have a go now? Can I can I have a go? I want to play one of mine. Let's see. This is one I have always thought was brilliant. So this is uh, Wax Doctor, the Spectrum, and Wax Doctor was on the Metalheads label, so kind of associated with with Goldie. And so let me play you a little bit of Wax Doctor. Here we go.
again that incredible bongo band drum beat ladies and gents I just love that. I can listen to that all day long. I love it. What else do I have in my list? This is the more, what they used to call, they never quite chose a name for it, but it was either known as sort of progressive drum and bass or... Jungle. uh, (laughs) So we haven't talked about... No, we're we're not into drum bass yet, but um, intelligent jungle, they used to call it, which a lot of people obviously used to hate because, A, calling your music intelligent is kind of stupid. Mm. And it also implies that other forms of jungle aren't intelligent. Mm-hmm. And it was just an, always an annoying phrase, and they never quite got the right phrase for it. But, but I, I like to call it atmospheric jungle. Okay. But, the, it, but a lot of jungle is more aggressive than that. We haven't been through all the different names and different terms and sub-genres. Like, some of the listeners out there will be going, but what about, like, uh, tech ragger or whatever it is yeah. that they've... There were so many subdivisions that all cropped up within space of, you know, six months. Yeah. You had this division, not division because some DJs would play all of it, mm-hmm. but there were some tunes that were seen as uh, intelligent or ambient drum and bass or, or jungle I've, again. I've stuff like or, this, um, progressive jungle, intelligent jungle, drum and bass, liquid drum and bass, jump up jungle, two-step, ragger jungle, and lots and lots and lots of others, tech step as well, a lot of other things that came on later. We're still in 1994 slash moving on to 1995 now. Okay, I'm going to skip this through to find Dread Bass, which is a real jungle classic. Dread Bass by? Dead Dread. Dread Bass by Dead Dread. Don't know who that was. It might have been someone famous, but again, it was a very anonymous music, so you wouldn't put a face to the name. So the thing and they'd it, often use different names for different tracks. Yeah. So it was completely anonymous. It was the opposite of having an image. It was mm-hmm. an, an invisible image almost. The track you're going to play now starts out really nice. It's really good to DJ with. I'll just drop it in while we talk over it. But this yeah. is actually a direct sample stolen from a Seal record. Seal? You know the singer yeah. Seal? Yeah. I don't know if he's popular worldwide, but he was quite big in the UK. He first started singing with a Damsky. And this was on one of his solo albums this intro and someone just nicked it wholeheartedly <laughs> just stole the whole intro and put it at the beginning of their drum and bass tune wow. which is something i really like it starts out kind of kind of nice doesn't it really like this it's sort of quite atmospheric and imagine this being played in a huge rave looks like the atmosphere the build-up you know the, a- the anticipation of what's going to come next yeah the, the played through huge speakers and let's leave it for the nice silence lots of space okay Backwards baseline. That's that amen break. There's several breaks going on over the top of each other there. At least two. Dread. 
Okay, that is completely ridiculous. Who would say there was anything aggressive or moody about that? <laughs> That's <laughs> What's their problem? Ridiculous. I have to say that there is a strain in jungle music which is like totally ridiculous, bombastic stuff like that. And that's probably the most popular stuff you know jump up jungle jump up jungle yeah things like that and what's the uh, arsonist and uh, oh man arsonist and fire yeah ragga jungle all that stuff yeah like like the ragga scene and sort of jamaican music at Mm -hmm. the time had gone very aggressive with very aggressive vocals very fast ragga vocals and that easily fitted in to to jungle can i play you the track that uh so there was that mystery track that we talked about before but then Another one that really got me into jungle is I actually got into hardcore before I got into jungle. Mm. Easier to get into. And I found jungle a bit scary and a bit dark and, and, and threatening. And then I started listening to some of the jungle stuff I had on tapes. So I had st- one tape that was all happy hardcore on one side and jungle on the other. And I used to enjoy the happy hardcore stuff. And the jungle was a bit scary. And then I listened to the other side of the tape and I got into it because of this track that I'm going to try and find uh, now. And, um, yeah, so this is the one that I first got into, and it was the bubbling, rolling okay. bass line. I hope this is the same version. Oh, the lighter. Yeah. The sound of the future, the lighter. That's classical music. I'm not sure who it is. I can't remember what this tune is. I used to have a doorbell that played this melody. Yeah, it's a famous melody that everyone's going to recognise. They probably found it in a MIDI download. God knows. Or someone played it on the piano or something. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Wait a minute. So there's a, there's a particular moment in this, I think, that really got me. It's going to come in it's in the, a bit. It's the, when the bass line goes... Doon. You know? It's in the middle. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip it forwards a little bit. Like, that has never been done before, really, when this came out. Like, such a rolling, kind of continuous bass line that goes up and down the scale. And that would send waves of bass through your either your head or your body, depending where you were listening to it. Yeah. And so that... Reminds me of... This is what made me think of this one. Yeah. That's the origin of it, yeah. This style of music. Right. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Where was the other one? Here. Okay. Uh, what are we going to play um, that other one? Well, you've got some others. You've got uh, things like Terrorist. You've got Valley of the Shadows. You've got Babylon Splash. That one I from want, the top. I want Babylon Splash now. Oh, you don't have that, do you? No, I don't, I'm afraid. Okay. I've got uh, the remix, but we don't want I the remix. We I want the original. find the original. The remix is even more aggressive, so okay. let's just play the original. Here we go. And this is a great example of the sort of... Well, there we go. That sounds quite jungly. jungly. Literally. Yeah. You're in a rainforest suddenly. And listen to that. Oh. This is... This is the track that will always get a rewind. 
So yeah, because it's got a great intro. What's a rewind? Rewind is a thing from Jamaican DJing culture, mm-hmm. where if a tune's really big, although they don't seem to do it as often as we think they do, but mm-hmm. they request the rewind, the DJ stops it, plays it again from the stop. And you hear... Yeah. And they rewind it and they play it again from the top. It's a so. crowd-pleasing move. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. This is a track that gets rewound a lot. Because it's got a great intro. Yeah. So it's good to rewind. And as the drums go along, they get more complex. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, one. Two, three, four. Just in case you were losing the beat. One, two, three, four. That's the sort of beat you dance to. It's weird. Here we go. Ting. All the details are important. Yeah. But this is a this is a track that goes absolutely. Let it let it kick in. Let it kick in. It goes mental in a minute. This is just this is just the intro. Here we go. They like that dog in here. Yeah, what's what? The dog noises. One, two, three, four. Or even one, two, three, four, one. <laughs> and that very clashy noise on the snares there. Yeah. That's an intentional mistake where you play two snares at the same time and they kind of phase each other out. Yeah. And they probably did that by mistake in the studio. Like, let's leave it in. But that that must sound horrible to some people. It is, it is abrasive. It's definitely an abrasive sound. But does this track do something else? No, that's about it. It's, I mean, it's extraordinary, really. That's what I mean, I mean about it. I mean, is, how did it evolve? I mean, is, it's just so it's, um, it's, abstract. It's abstract, really musical and interesting. Listen. One, two, three. You, you may dismiss that as just sounding like chaos, random madness, and, and horrible, aggressive, uh, in, antisocial music, but there's a lot more going on in there than... You might think. And, and if anyone's tried to actually make music that complex, I've dabbled making jungle tunes and I can get the sound, but as far as that intense drum programming, mm. it takes a lot of work. And you can't just do it. I mean, I use my sampler. You need to take it from the sampler into the computer screen and start separating all those drums into tiny little bits mm. and rearranging them. And it's not random. It might sound random, but it's really not. Each each one has been placed by hand to form like a... It's like a, a jazz drum solo. Mm. Definitely. Um, I want to just play one more thing before we just talk about a few other things and then we wrap this up, okay? All right. I want to play one more thing. And this is... Do you remember I had like my... the One of the best tapes I ever had was a cassette I bought of LTJ Bookham live in Leamington Spa. <laughs> I bought it in some crummy little record shop in Leamington. And it was LTJ Bookham live at Leamington Spa. And the cassette was called Chrome. And it was brilliant. It was like, uh, it was Bookham and his MC, MC Conrad. 
And I found, you it, found it. I found it on YouTube, so I'm going to play just the first maybe minute because it's just lovely. So here we go. Listen to this. No, no, that's not the bit I want. I want to Has go. this got an MC over the right? top? Yeah, it's MC Who? Conrad. MC Conrad. The bass is so good in this recording. Anyway, I just wanted to play that because it's just lovely, isn't it? I think so. It's bloody great. That's, I think that's actually Bookham mixing between two tracks there. LTJ Bookham is, in my opinion, one of the best DJs in the world in any genre. I think he's probably my favourite DJ of all time mm-hmm. because his mixes were so precise. He was one of the few guys that actually was a trained musician. Really? Yeah, and his label, Good Looking Records, or Look, Looking Good Records, put out all the best gear. Yeah, really. But it became a bit of a side thing. Like, a lot of people saw it as a softer form of jungle. Yeah. And it wasn't It wasn't the most popular. They'd often put him on late at night at these raves. It wasn't the, he wasn't the main draw. It wasn't a real crowd pleaser. Cause he was to certain people, but I think he was seen as a bit soft. It is a bit soft, isn't it? Listen. But my favourite... My favourite era for that is early 94, when it was this ambient stuff, but with very hard drums. Mm. Like Source Direct, who yeah. were these two kids. I've got that. A made-up sound. No, uh, let me put one on from okay. here, because it sounds better on record. Play one of your records, does. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's just a massive tune, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is two scrawny little dropout white boys that dropped out of college, uh, sick form. Yeah. And... There's an interview with them, which we'll put on this page. Yeah. And they do not look like likely candidates to be musical geniuses, do they? No, they they look like scummy little spotty (laughs) spotty teenagers driving BMWs. Yeah, I know that they can't afford. Yeah. And, um, but just, just, let's just let this play out for a bit. This is actually one of the next tracks on that LTJ Bookham tape I had. Yeah. This one goes very hard later on, doesn't it? Yeah. It starts out all soft and spacey like this, and it goes... That, pre- those are the tunes I liked that were very atmospheric. Not too happy, just more atmospheric. But then the drums would come in very hard. You've got a scratch. They're all, they're all ruined. Look at that. Listen to that scratch, ladies and gents. Is it actually stuck? It's stuck, isn't it? <laughs> it's stuck. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Fixed fixed it that was stuck on the loop as well it was was like needle dropping perfectly looped here we go and they've really taken that amen break and reversed it can I can I just can I stop the music for a second because I just want to play where was it that's Um, a bit of quality gear though isn't it yeah so the thing is that a lot of people listening to that will think I liked all the spacey atmospheric stuff but when that 
horrible drum beat came in i couldn't handle it but you know it's an acquired taste but that's boom, just like that, your opinion that, that, man that, that is that sample ladies and gents remember this one from earlier Yep. And that offbeat at the end, that doo they've really made a virtue of that. But put it in a different place. Yeah. Da-da. Let's turn two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Okay. So let's just see what remains to be said here. So we've got. Um... We should probably then talk about by the end of 94, Jungle had become so popular in some areas that it was kind of becoming a cliche i'd say with especially with the ragga jungle mm-hmm. and the more over the top jungle it had become very formulaic and you could hear tunes that sounded very similar to each other and it stopped sounding new and innovative and it started to sound a bit dumb yeah and people were actually kind of outdoing themselves trying to outdo each other with the drum programming to an extent where it was almost losing the funk a bit a lot of people listening to this will be like this is not the jungle or the drum and bass that i know yeah and a lot of people the the drum and bass or jungle that went sort of popular in lots of places went like this yeah well that's kind of to me that's the main difference between jungle and drum and bass jungle is that rolling breaks continuously and chopped up breaks drum and bass is when people kind of for good reason kind of thought well that's all been done and it was by the end of night by the by mid 95 that stuff had been done to the point where you couldn't really take it any further while still retaining a listenability mm-hmm. but it so some people started to strip it back even more and instead of do do that do that you just have a kick drum a snare and a uh, say a tambourine and it became more sci-fi-ish yeah more kind more of kind of influenced by like blade runner kind of sounds yeah yeah and uh less if i can soul, just dig one out soulful for less me. soulful and it became darker and the the nicey bits kind of went away sounding more like techno to me to it sounded a lot more like techno let me just try and find one really good example of as it kind of they were, i mean they were just trying to progress the music that was the thing about drum and bass and jungle was it was seen as futuristic mm. so no one wanted to stay doing the same thing for too long for me it sounded like um like they'd taken the funk or taken the jazz out of it and it just became like this tech tech stuff you know not not really my cup of tea i preferred the the more jazzy kind of bits and pieces this is a good example of drum and bass as opposed to jungle. Very, very minimal. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So this is more into the, the realm of drum and bass, I think, where it was... That's really just one kick drum, one snare, and one tambourine slash hi-hat. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So far. This is Doc Scott. Doc Scott. When was this, then? I think this was 95, could have been 96. Does it not say there? It doesn't say... What's it going to do, this track? Can I skip forwards? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Blade Runner. Yeah.
and that synth line that's just, it. That's, that's, just that's the whole it, track and it just f- phases a bit fades in and out mm-hmm. the drums drop in and out there's a few kung fu samples nick from a wu-tang album and that's it it was a lot more darker minimal and it was almost like people didn't want to be seen as cheesy yeah and break beats and all that kind of rolling beats became a bit cliche yeah it did it became a bit of a cliche especially when certain mainstream artists started to kind of get in on the on the action and notably it appeared uh, jungle music appeared in some adverts do you want to hear the solero advert what year is this from i Just think it's give us some maybe context. 1995 much uh, I later surely i don't know actually when this was but this is maybe 97 something like that okay maybe. let's have a listen but this is an advert for an ice cream ladies and gents is it made by walls i think so but this is when jungle started to appear in sort of mainstream culture nothing can give you a cool mental lift like walls stolero exotic fruit puree and creamy vanilla ice cream all in one Now in the new citrus flavour, Wall Solero, the mind cooler. Damn. See, this is, wait a minute. That was an advert tailored to a certain generation. So this is, this is how they used to advertise ice cream. The mind cooler imagine in the mid-90s. They, imagine how they would have advertised drugs to us <laughs> if that's how they advertised ice cream. You couldn't go much further than that. So there's that. There's also, what, David Bowie? David Bowie uh, got involved and... Bless him. We like, we like David. Oh, we love David. We like David, but some of his drum and bass uh, side projects weren't that... Why is Michael Caine in this conversation? <laughs> you do you do him then. Uh, I, I become very interested in a, new, in a new genre of music called drum and bass, actually. And it's, um, it's absolutely, absolutely fascinating. I can't really do David Bowie. No, you anymore. can't. David Bowie, I can do him when he sings. I phoned up Goldie, he said, hello Goldie, put down the drugs for a second, let's make an album. I've been listening to some jungle music, (laughs) and it's very good. Anyway, this is David Bowie who got in, who sort of jumped on the jungle bandwagon in 1997, is this? Really? Anyway, here we go. Bit late for that, David, come on, mate. Here we go, here's David Bowie. And it's not very good, is it? It's shit. It's neither as good as a rock song should be yeah. or as good as a, a jungle track It's a watered-down on both sides. It's like a pop song, but with jungle stuff going on in the background. It's not proper jungle. And they've nicked that. They just took that. They've nicked that from Renegade Snares. They, they took the drum loop wholesale from another jungle track. So it sounds like it. Sounds like me. it, doesn't it? David well, Bowie I give him, I give him, singing about stuff that's happened. I give him like 7 out of 10 for like trying. And I give him about 4 out of 10 for result. Yeah. Then also in the in 1997, um, like a few years down the line, you can see kind of where drummer bass was. You got people like David Gray, a singer-songwriter on guitar, mm. who had a, like a guy playing drums on stage and he used to play drum and bass jungle Have drums you got an example of that uh, i don't let's know. not I, play I can't David be bothered. Gray. and there's other things as well like uh well ronnie size 
won the Mercury Music Prize, and in the UK, the Mercury Music Prize ah. used to be, anyway, considered to be like a, a, a pretty big deal. I never thought the Ronnie Sowers album was all that, to be honest. I mean, it's just like the same as Goldie, really. No, it's not, because Goldie didn't really change his sound. Whereas I feel like... Ronnie Sowers, I don't think Goldie had an eye for commercial... When he made his album, apart from the vocals. The vocals make it commercial, but the rest of the production is totally next-level jungle production. Really advanced. And uh, with the the, uh, the, uh, Ronnie Size stuff, it wasn't next-level. It was kind of by numbers by that point. And it wasn't... It wasn't progressive, and it wasn't new, and it wasn't even very poppy. It was just a bit sunday newspapery basically it took the media three years to catch up with jungle and by the time they had it had moved on by the time they had it that they sort of missed the boat uh but this uh, is can we find a clip of the murky music prize no i want to wanna... it'll be funny to put it in context All right, but i want to play um a clip of heroes by ronnie size thing is though of all the music that we played this is probably going to be one of the more popular little bits which just shows this is like commercial end of jungle but it wasn't really jungle anymore at this point or or jungle had moved on and it's just like everyone had caught up and they celebrated this guy ronnie size but they kind of missed the point a little bit they missed the boat yeah okay so let's listen to heroes not a bad track really but it sounds a lot like inner city life but without the edge yeah maybe i never liked it so this is what won the prize in 1997. Fucking boring. <laughs> I mean, it's it, flat, it, isn't it? It's this, flat. I tell you what, this became the music that was listened to at dinner parties. Yeah. Like sort of middle class, sort yes. of metropolitan white people started listening to this shit at dinner parties. That's what this album Bloody was. Bloody white people. <laughs> That's what this album was. Yeah, it was you, lame dinner party music. You've got also stuff like this. I'm trying to find the track that I want. So, uh, is this a bad example of... No, it's not a bad example, but it's... Or this a good is, example of a So bad. this is like years years later. This is 2001. And you've got jazz heavyweights like Herbie Hancock getting involved. Okay, let's have a listen to this. This is not bad. You've got Chucka Khan on vocals, Herbie Hancock on keyboards. Wondering who's in, who did the beats then? I don't know who's done the beats for this. I just got it off a sample CD. I probably. quite like this. Nothing wrong with this at all. It's quite pleasant. I wouldn't probably listen to it. But uh, oh, I remember this one. Yeah, LTJ Book and plays this stuff these days. So got that's Herbie Hancock. Yeah. Well, there you go. It got became accepted as a form of music by such luminaries. It's Herbie Hancock and David Bowie. David Bowie. So um, I think we're pretty much at the end of this, James. I suppose the point, the good thing with Jungle is the mystery aspect of it, the kind of dark, weird, undefinable, before it had really been decided, like as soon as everyone had agreed on what it was, it kind of became irrelevant. It's it's all about atmosphere. Yeah. And one thing one I, one, that I wanted to mention was the fact that the guys that were selling the records in the early days, remember we talked about this yesterday, mm. they just make the record, often in a day, Yeah. get it to the, to the record pressing place, press up, press up 300 of them, Yeah. take them around the record shops, sell them mm-hmm. for a profit, mm-hmm. and then make some more. 
Right. And that was the business model. Like, there was no publishing. There was no copyright. There weren't really record labels initially in the early days. Mm. It was almost like making cakes. (laughs) (laughs) You make a product, you sell it, you make some more, you sell it. Yeah. It was so basic, and there was no, like, streaming. There was no, like, buying online. Yeah. You had a physical item that you probably didn't even know who made it. It probably just had one word written on it. Mm -hmm. It's like, if it's a tune, it's a tune. And it would get picked up. And if you're lucky, you'd you'd give your tunes to a DJ. They'd start playing it. It would be in demand. People would come into the record shop and go, have you got this one that goes like this? Yeah, yeah. Boink, 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 (laughs) boink, boink. And that's what I like about it, the kind of um, magical period before it all got labelled and broken down and understood. Yeah. When you didn't really know exactly what it was, that's when it was at its best. Here's that tune. Source Direct. This is off that mixtape again. So, I think we've, we're finished now, James. We've, how two long? hours. Two oh. hours. Um, make it two parts, I suppose. Maybe. Or? I'll see. And by the way, I think there was a... I don't know who said this originally, but David Bowie said it in interviews once, that talking about music is a bit like dancing about, about architecture. architecture. Exactly. So, just... Anyway, I just thought I'd say that. But anyway, James, in summary, we just wanted to talk for two hours about one of our favourite musical genres, a typically British example of music that's not often talked about, a music that's hard to define, that sort of was both underground and overground at the same time, that changed as quickly as it arrived and then disappeared almost as well. Or just evolved itself out of existence. Evolved. And then it went all over the place. It sort of became popular in America, in Russia and places like that. And most drum and bass now hasn't changed that much since, say, the late 90s to now. Yeah. You can kind of get away with playing the same tunes Mm. and people can't tell when they were made last week or 10 years ago. Yeah. So all the progression happened in that 93 to 96 era, let's say. Yeah. Um, And that's the interesting stuff for me. Although I carried on playing drum and bass. I've got as many drum and bass records as I have anything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are the ones I I used to DJ a lot of drum and bass at a club in um, Kent. And I still do. I still DJ drum and bass and more jungle. I try and find old jungle tunes that are a bit forgotten gems. I think it's time to stop now, James. And also I should say I never went to any of the big jungle raves and I'm quite gutted Mm. because I was a bit too young and I was slightly scared. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. But I did go to a couple of jungle clubs, clubs, jungle clubs, and they're wicked. And the music really does uplift you a lot more than normal music it's very hard if you like that kind of music hearing it loud just makes you want to bop around yeah and the bass is so loud and heavy that yeah. you feel it in your stomach yeah and stuff. it's like you think you're gonna to have to go to the loo <laughs> <laughs> well i need to go to the loo now because it's been two hours that we've been doing this oh but god did we did we really get at anything did we get to the crux yeah. of anything well it's all right we don't need to change the world we're just commenting just describing talking it's okay right. well i hope you've got something out of this i think we have i mean i suppose most people will either quite like this music or they'll hate it to be honest james two hours of this most people won't be listening to this now only the hardcore junglists will be will have got this far respect (laughs) 
Hey, folks, thank you so much for listening and for putting up with this for so long. If you did manage to get all the way to the end of this and you're not, you don't like this kind of music, then well done you. And uh, thank you for sticking with us. I mean, our aim has been sincere to teach you and to talk to you and comment. And I guess this is a pretty advanced episode for, as Probably. far as grammar and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So well done for sticking it out all the way to the end, folks. Well James, done. thank you for being on the podcast. We did it. We did it. We, we can, we can it. relax now. We can relax. We did it. We, you know, this was a huge undertaking, actually. We actually made... We did plan it for a couple of hours yesterday. Yeah. It was worth so it. So I hope... I'm sorry. If we hadn't planned it, it would have been chaotic and, and we would have had an argument. And I think that's true. We would have fallen... Because actually, someone pointed out in the last one, we were... Well, I was cutting you off mid-sentence quite a lot. So I'm deeply apologetic <laughs> for that. I apologise unreservedly for that. It's okay. Um, but I think it's because... Sometimes when we're doing something like this, I w- I've got a point to make, but I haven't quite worked it all out in my head. And, and I, I talk a bit slower than you because I'm, you know, a bit old. And I jump in and ask and you, you to, jump def- in. to define something. And I'm sort of midway through kind of churning it through my brain to work out what the point I'm actually trying to make it is. Mm-hmm. And I end up going... Bleh, bleh, bleh. I need to just let you make conclude well, No, your but point. I think it's good that we actually knew what points we wanted to make before we started mm-hmm. talking yeah. this time. But we can let the listeners decide. Maybe this has been a complete failure. And if anyone... Should we end with that mystery tune? But James, I think that probably... I wanted to say this as well. Probably there are listeners out there who are into this kind of music. But for them, uh, jungle or drummer bass is a different thing. It's a different beast. So if that, if that is you, share in the comments section of this, of this episode the tunes that sum up this music for you. And it might be that it's a totally different story. It maybe sounds totally different. Maybe Aphrodite stuff we haven't mentioned. Aphrodite, we did mention. We've got a big list. Shall I, shall I just mention some of the just people on the list? the list? So here's a list of DJs and names. We've got Dillinger, Goldie, Groove Rider, LTJ Bookham and MC Conrad, Fabio, DJ Rap, Jumping Jack Frost, DJ Hype, DJ Randall, DJ SS, Kenny Ken, Aphrodite, and millions of others that we haven't mentioned. DJ Hype, DJ Psy, but that's we didn't, really talk about radio. we didn't talk about pirate radio very much but you can never get everything done ladies and gents thank you so much for listening let's just roll out with this one we're going to finish with this track which is the mystery Let tune the play out okay one. thanks again for listening folks but for now goodbye bye 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 bye, bye. there you go we made it all the way through to the end i sincerely hope that you enjoyed this episode james and i put our heart and soul into this one so i hope it comes across it's a bit ambitious because this music is never going to appeal to everyone but i hope that you got something from this in any case if you like some of the things you've heard and you'd like to hear more or if you'd just like to listen again to any of the stuff that we've been talking about, then you should head over to the page for this episode on teacherluke.co.uk, where you will find a plethora of music for your ears, including YouTube videos or SoundCloud links for almost all of the music in this episode, all the tracks and even some full-length mixes, a jungle mix by James with actual vinyl records, scratches and everything, made especially for you, the listeners of this episode. And that also includes some pirate radio style MCing by James. Basically, that's just him 
uh, introducing the tracks and saying a few things. And that has been uploaded to my Mixcloud page, but you'll find you'll find it embedded on the page for this episode. Also, I've made a Spotify playlist featuring some of the tunes in this episode, and it's called LEP Jungle. If you want to find it on Spotify on your phone, search for LEP Jungle. It doesn't have all of the stuff, but just a kind of selection that I found on Spotify. And all the notes that we used while recording are available to you on the page for this episode too, so that you can check out some words that you might want to spell. So if you've heard certain words and phrases that you're like, oh, what's that? How do you spell that? What was that word? You can go back and have a look through the notes. You might find uh, that word or phrase in there. I mean, it's not a full transcript, but um, it's better than nothing, isn't it? Okay, well, that's it then. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll speak to you again on the podcast soon. But now it's time to say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.